We think the microphone's working. Yes, it is. Let's pray. Merciful God, in your Son, Jesus Christ, my dear Lord, you have given so many good gifts to me and one of your children. You have given me the gift of forgiveness. You have given me the gift of life. You have given me the gift of salvation and the hope of eternal life. Teach me to give the gift of love and mercy to my neighbors so that I may do unto others as I wish them to do unto me. All of this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let all God's people say amen. So I was talking about essential services before. Y'all need to take up any offer that you get to go on a mission trip to Nepal or Bangladesh or India or Thailand or Vietnam or Cambodia. That's how the rest of the world lives. It's a cliche. But the number of essential services that we enjoy as citizens of Canada or the United States or as citizens of most of the European countries, it's astounding. It's absolutely amazing what a place and a lifestyle our Lord has given to us. Essential services on top of essential services. And I wasn't joking about the garbage collection in Nepal and Bangladesh. It goes on the corner and they sent a front-run loader to pick it up and put it in a dump truck. And yes, it doesn't smell so nice. But that story for another time, because it leads us into the essential services that the Christian has in their, in their arsenal of essential services that they go through life and carry out their vocation. This morning, we're going to have opportunity to review for ourselves some of the virtues, the essential services. In fact, really, let's just boil it down and say what it means to be a servant of Christ, to be one of his disciples. So what is the job description of a servant? Well, what do they do? Well, what they do is exactly what their master tells them to do. So how are you getting along in your life of servanthood for Jesus. How are you and Jesus getting along in this little life of servanthood of yours? Getting along well with him? You're happy with your level of servanthood? Oh, you're struggling a little bit? Well, timely that Luke 17 comes along for this point in your life. You see, there are absolutely thousands of pitfalls that a Christian can fall into that'll just strip away the joy of being a disciple or being a servant of Jesus. It's just like work. It's just like school. There are just times when you're just not going to feel like doing it. You repent, you move on. There are times when you're going to grow weary in your task of being a disciple or servant of Jesus. That's okay. Go take a nap and get up. You'll feel better and move on with your servanthood. There are going to be times when you have just had the motivation just sucked right out of you because all you seem to be getting is negative, 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 and you never get any wins, and you just kind of run out of steam. There's also times when, well, you might almost get downright cranky about the workload that the Lord has put on your shoulders in your role as his servant. But then you repent, bow your head, and say, Lord, forgive me. And he forgives you yet again. 
Now, the flip side of all of this is that you can, you could formulate this idea in your head that you are God's gift to servanthood, that, that you are the only competent worker in the entire kingdom of God, or maybe just the only competent worker in the kingdom of God located at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul, and you spend your time singing your own praise. The long and the short of this brief little paragraph here is just to point out that there are thousands of pitfalls that can interfere with you carrying out your service as a disciple of Christ. Dangerous pitfalls. Jesus is talking to us this morning because he wants our talk, our confession, what we say we believe about him and our place in this whole role of the kingdom of God. He wants our talk to be in sync perfectly with our walk. He wants those two in harmony. Why? What's the big deal? <sighs> because your life as a servant of Christ has impact on other people. When your talk and your walk are not in sync, it's going to have a negative impact on people. When your walk and your talk is in sync, it's going to have a positive impact on people. And it's going to bring glory to Jesus. You see, Fruitful service in the kingdom can only be fruitful when the branch is tapped into the vine, when it's tied in with Jesus intimately and tightly. You see, our Lord Jesus is not some sort of counselor who stands there with a clipboard and listens to you bemoan all the bad, stressful things that have happened to you in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when she said that to you, how did that make you feel? Oh, badly? What did you do with that, those bad feelings? No, that's not our Jesus. Our Jesus is the one who has the very life and the very power to make this entire church work. He has the life and he has the power source of this thing called his bride. And because he has, is the life and the power source of this thing called his bride, that means that he has the power to equip you, servant of Christ to do what seems to you to be impossible thing, and then to do that impossible thing selflessly and joyously. So which commands from the Lord do you think are the impossible ones? Hmm. Moses parting the Red Sea with just a staff? Um, David's little sling miracle toward the head of Goliath? Hmm. Ah, Peter walking on water. That's got to be one of them, right? How about this one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Truth of the matter is, if you think about it, if you fuel yourself, if I fuel myself, all those commands are impossible. Totally impossible. And that's what the disciples had come to the conclusion of when they heard Jesus say to him the very first command, the very first basic essential service that he's requiring of his servants. He says, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone, millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. That little word 
that's translated as cause, as in cause one of these little ones to sin. It's from the Greek word, the noun is skandalon. Sound familiar? The verb is skandalizo. Sound familiar? Where we get our English word scandalize from. And don't think scandalize as in cheap press with a crazy story about some UFOs coming to a Hollywood actress's house and abducting her. Not that kind of scandalize. It means to cause an offense. It means to actually cause one to stumble. And these little ones, they could be little ones, little children, but they could be little ones in the faith, as in adults who are freshly new confirmands. What Jesus is basically saying here is don't ever, ever allow yourself to cause someone else to stumble in their faith. Do not cause offense to their faith. Don't you ever, ever allow yourself to get between Jesus and one of his little ones. That's about as smart as getting yourself between a mama bear and her cubs in the spring up in Baltimore as you're walking around in the woods. That's just dumb. And it's also lethal. That's what Jesus says here as well. So, but it, it happens every day though, doesn't it? Christian children observe their Christian parents and what is it that they learn from them? How to have an argument with their spouse? How to uh, worry and stress about life? How to talk one way to the neighbor on the other side of the fence in the afternoon and then talk about that very same neighbor the exact opposite way at the dinner table at night? Poor children are scandalized. They're offended. They don't know what's right. You know, these demands of Jesus, they're darn near impossible to carry out, aren't they? But just on the heels of that, right on the heels of that first command that he gives us, never offend, never cause offense, he has this second command. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Seven times in one day? If I did not have this command from Jesus himself, I would be just like the baseball game and say, three strikes and you're out of here, man. I'm done with you. These, these commands of Jesus are impossible, it seems, to be able to carry out. How many of you know the, the expression... Bury the hatchet. I, I think you're raising your hands. You're not being real bold this morning. Did I do something to scare you? Okay, all right. So you know the phrase, bury the hatchet. This phrase came out of a practice of North American indigenous people groups. The Mohawk, the Cherokee, the Sioux, there's about five or six others, that when they finally decided that enough was enough of bloodshed and war, and they wanted to have a peace treaty, what they would do is that, that each of the chiefs would come to this peace treaty with all of their warriors around, and they would each take their hatchet, 
and they would literally bury it in the ground as a sign of peace between the two indigenous people groups. Except they would leave part of the handle sticking out of the ground, just in case. You chuckle, but that's not forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is looking and imitating the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father shown to us in His Son, Christ. The Heavenly Father who wrote these words, He said, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Two essential services that are required of every single Christian. Never offend, always forgive. And it seems as though that's impossible to carry out. And the disciples felt the same way. And they were basically crying out to their master, Master, what you have asked us, we are not capable of doing. So increase our faith so that we can do what you would have us do. Jesus replies right on the heels of that, increase our faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. What's Jesus saying here? Because I'll tell you, there have been plenty of times that I have tried to take Jesus up on this little example here and said to the, the Manitoba maple in my backyard, be uprooted and go a block and a half to the east and plant yourself in the middle of the Rideau River. It's never happened once. So what exactly is Jesus saying here? What exactly was he saying when David's slingshot miracle took out Goliath? What was he saying when Peter walked on water? What was he saying when Moses separated the Red Sea with his staff, parted the sea with his staff? What he was telling his people is this. With man, this is all impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what is Jesus really saying here in response to his disciples' request to increase our faith? What he's basically saying to them is big or small, strong or weak, you ex exercise the faith that you do have faithfully as I've called you to exercise it. You know, normally servants of a master they're not usually micromanaged by the boss. They usually kind of figure out on their own how to get the job done. Not so with the servants of the Lord. Not so with people like you and me. So with you and me, we are encouraged by the Lord that this is all his doing. and We are merely the vessels or the tools that he uses to carry these things out. But what we must do is... Stop looking inside of ourselves because the mulberry tree and the Manitoba maple will never get moved that way. Look away from ourselves and look upward. And look to Jesus as the power and source of your strengths and your ability to be able to do any of this. And, and we have here two great comforts for us in this, in this context. First the, is that Jesus has delivered you from having the millstone tied around your neck. He has saved you from that. It is for us.
that he came as a blameless servant of God for you and me. It is for us that he bore upon his shoulders the sin that killed him and he died with them on that cross. It is for us that he was pleased, the father was pleased at the son's sacrifice for you and me. And it was for us that the father was pleased to say to you and me, he's done it all for you, for me. And he rose him back to life from the grave. There's your power. And there's your proof right there. But the second great comfort that we have here is really the core message of this mustard seed business that Jesus is talking to us about. Looking to Jesus, you can do all things through him who gives you strength. That's the key of understanding this story, this sentence of the mustard seed. Whenever you, whatever sin you are struggling with right now, whatever addiction you are living with, Whatever offense you continue to make, whatever forgiveness that you find it impossible to give to the other individual, stop looking at yourself and look up to Jesus and see in him the power for you to be able to stop offending, start forgiving, and live for him. It was Jesus who said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the evil one. Stand up to your Goliaths. Stand up to your Goliaths, not in your own power, but in the power and strength of your Lord. Because what Jesus is saying to you and me here is that he equips his servants to do the impossible. Well, do you find this kind of exciting? I kind of find this exciting. And this is not talk that Jesus is talking here, like this is going to be um, something in the future for you, that there's going to be a day that's going to come when you're going to finally be that super servant who's going to be able to do the impossible. No, he's talking about like right now. He's talking about right now in your life. Look, I understand. I understand that you are still vexed by sin. You will be till the day that the Lord calls you home. But look at all the examples of God's strength here in your life and the lives of others. The fact that you even try to struggle against sin in your daily life. Think about that. Who is it that fuels you up to be able to do that? It's your Father in heaven that fuels you to be able to do that. All those times that you have sent prayers up to the throne of grace for other people, for their health, for their financial situation, for their wayward belligerent son, the prodigal son, all that concern that you have for your nephew and his spiritual situation right now, all those, all those prayers that you have offered, all that love that flows to other people through faith, from faith, who is it that fuels you to do those things? It's Jesus that fuels you to do those things. Brothers and sisters in Christ, someday... Someday, and it's only by God's grace, you are going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But for now, 
for our time here on earth as living disciples with our talk and our walk perfectly in sync, what we're going to hear from him is, apart from me, you can do nothing, which should drive us to our knees and drive us back to him. Oh, once again, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he does. Again and again. For your time here on earth, what you will hear is when you have done everything that you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Two essential services that are required of every Christian. It's an obligation, but I pray that it's also a selfless joy for you to be able to carry these out. Why? Because it helps us in our working together as the family of God. But these two basic essential services, never offend, always forgive, those really are some of the two basic essential service tests of your love for your Savior Jesus, your love for one another. Just as this poet that I found, this poet M. Zemansky put it, no man, no person can treat his Savior well who treats his neighbor ill. No person can hate his fellow man and be a Christian still. The Savior who forgives our sins expects that we forgive and love our neighbor as ourselves if I desire to live. Let us remember what he said whose death has made me free. Whate'er you do unto the least, you do it unto me. Never offend, always forgive. The two loving essential services of a Christian. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith.